You are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Wednesday show for you. Not too much to update you in regards to Joey's season of The Bachelor, but we will talk about it. Also, we're going to talk about Big Brother last night, Power of Veto, who won, who built their resume, who's going home. A lot to talk about there. We're also going to talk about Dance with the Stars, not just last night's show, but an interview that former podcast guest Cheryl Burke did on her podcast, Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans, with Lacey Swimmer. And I completely forgot about this. And props to Lacey for telling this story, retelling it. And I think it has a very important message. And um, we will discuss what Lacey said if you did not hear that. Also, a little more on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey as a most recent story, one that came out, I believe, two days ago, was a little bit too much. <laughs> we'll get to all that momentarily. Last night was the Final Four Rose Ceremony in Los Angeles of Joey's season. His Final Four, as you know, are Daisy Kent, Kelsey Anderson, Maria Gorgas, and Rachel Nance. It's too early. It was only hours ago that it happened. I do not know who got eliminated. Hopefully, I will find out as soon as I can and let you know. In terms of where they're headed next, again, same thing. Hoping to find that out before they head out or before they land in their next location of where they're going for overnights and fantasy suites or fantasy suites and final rose ceremony. We know that they will head out probably later on today, if not wait a day and then head out on Thursday. But that's where we're at with Joey season. As soon as I find anything out, you will know. And good news, <laughs> it is coming tomorrow, your Bachelor in Paradise spoilers in written form. As you know, back on July 17th, I had to go check. It was like, I know I gave out the Bachelor in Paradise spoilers. When were they? When did I first tell everybody who was engaged? It was July 17th on my Twitter account. They're still there. The tweets are still there. The video of Aaron and Eliza in the Vedanta Hotel three days after filming ended is still there. So... I'm just going to put it all together and I put it on Instagram because it seems that's where more people are interested and more people are hitting me up asking me about Bachelor in Paradise spoilers. So tomorrow it'll be all there because figured, hey, the episode of Bachelor in Paradise airs on Thursdays. Why not make sure everybody's got their Bachelor in Paradise spoilers on Thursday, even though they've been out there. I've talked about it numerous times on my podcast since July, but yes, I understand some people just need it in writing and they don't follow on Twitter, or they don't listen to the podcast, so they need it in every form. And, you know, it's just something that I have gotten, I have got to get used to. Because for the longest time, my website was where everything was. And my website was 80% of my income. 20% was coming from podcasts. That was probably as little as two years ago. Basically, ever since the pandemic, it's done a 180 and then some. I'd say 90 to 95% of my income now is my podcast. Maybe 5 to 10% on the website. I I'd have to look at the numbers, but the the advertising on a website, the what they pay for advertising is way down. My numbers are down because people just don't read anymore. Even on the days where I put the spoilers, like we can compare those to past seasons. 
laying out the spoilers for somebody's season on my website, it doesn't change. I mean, yeah, it'll people will tune in that day, but the numbers aren't what they were. So that could be just the audience has gone down in general of this show because we know that it has based on the ratings, but it's amazing the 180 it's done. And I also think the industry for advertising on websites is just the dollar that they pay. It's just not what it was, you know, um, because people just don't go to websites anymore. <laughs> they really don't. People don't read. It's podcast is the way to go. So now we're all fighting for podcast dollars for sure in advertising there. So um, that's why when I'm just like, I mean, there are some people that still come to me and are like, and you've heard these sometimes in the reader emails, why don't you write anymore? And it's like, look, I I understand that for since 2003, the Reality Steve website was pretty much where you got everything. It's where you saw my recaps, you read the reader emails, you anytime there were spoilers, they were going up on my website. And then the podcast came around and I do it on the website and the podcast. And now it's mostly podcast and social media, Instagram, Instagram stories, my highlights on Instagram, stuff like that. Like that's pretty much where it all goes. And I understand that there are people that aren't into the podcast world and don't listen to podcasts or don't have time. Totally understandable. But you have to understand it from my perspective, from a business perspective. If people aren't reading your website, you're not going to put a lot of time into it. I've seen the download numbers on the podcast. That's where people are consuming their Reality Steve information. So it makes more sense to dedicate the time to the podcast. It's just business. And I never thought it would ever get to this point. I really didn't. I knew I knew things were trending to the podcast world, but I always thought there's still going to be an audience for the website. And maybe there is, but you are in such the small, small, small minority because people just don't read websites anymore. It just doesn't happen. People are looking for, and if they do, they're looking for headlines and they're looking for short stories. And they're not looking to read a recap that's four or five pages long about a show that they've probably already heard a thousand opinions on as the show was airing right when it ends. There are recap shows that go up. It's just, and, you know, as somebody that covers the show the way I do, I'm not going to sit there and go live and recap a, a TV show right when it ends. It just doesn't interest me because those recap shows don't cover spoilers. So it's very hard for me to sit there and be like, yeah, she had a really good date tonight. I really think she has a chance this season. It's just like, why am I going to do that when I already know what happens in the season? Those people that recap the show recap it and don't cover spoilers. Now, I'm sure they know the spoilers out there and it forms their opinion on some things, but you'll never see me go that route because I already know what happens. And so do those people. They're just choosing not to address it. You know, they might, know, they might not know every detail, but when the ending comes out, like the final four is out there on my Instagram account and has been since the final four started or right in the middle of the final four. So anybody that recaps the show if you pretend that you don't know who the final four is, it's just hard to believe you because it's out there and people are talking and it's so simple to go look at, you know, it's right on an Instagram account that says Joey's final four. You have to literally click on one slide or whatever and you see who his final four are. So that's what I mean. And it's just, it's, it's, things are changing. 
Um, I'm still going to write every week when the show is in season. It's just the off season. Most of my stuff will just go on social media because to put it on social media, on my Instagram stories and to Twitter and to throw it in a column, it just in a column that nobody's going to read anyway because they're gonna, they're going to get it mostly off of Twitter and Instagram. I mean, that's what we're dealing with now. So unfortunately, that's the way it is. When we come back in season, sure, recaps on Tuesday. They're just shorter. Reader emails, uh, I enjoy doing those. Um, that's always going to be on Wednesdays. And then your podcast, uh, your weekly podcast on Thursdays, and then obviously your daily podcast every day. So um, still, my record is still intact. Ever since July 11th of 2022, when I started the Daily Roundup, I have never missed a day. And the only way I would ever miss a day of the Daily Roundup is due to technical difficulties. If something um, didn't upload, if I accident, even if I accidentally recorded it and deleted it, I would just re-record. It's you know 20, 25 minutes. I'd be bummed, <laughs> and I'd be pissed at myself. But the only way you don't get a daily roundup is if I'm I don't know deathly ill. Um, you know, knock on wood. I'm just saying, like, in literally, I have laryngitis or something, which I've never had in my life. You wouldn't get it if I had laryngitis. You would even I I could fight through a sickness, a flu. Um, unless it was just so bad and any sort of talking making me cough every 15 seconds, you wouldn't want to hear something like that. Or there's audio issues to where when I upload it, Apple Podcasts is just, it gets lost in the Apple Podcast world or something like that. And um, that'd be the only way I, I can I can think off, off the top of my head where you wouldn't get a daily roundup. So just wanted to update you on that. And um, as we head forward, like I said, you're going to get... Whenever I find out information of who got eliminated at Final Four for Joey and where they're headed for overnights and Final Rose Ceremony, that'll be on my social media channels. So follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram, you'll see it on my stories, and I would put it on my Instagram feed. And tomorrow you're getting your Bachelor in Paradise spoilers all in one place on my Instagram feed. And I'll probably bring back those tweets and put them in my Instagram feed tomorrow as well from July 17th when I originally told you who the final couples were, and what some of the drama was this season on Paradise. Dancing with the Stars last night was Halloween night. If there's one thing that this show absolutely kills it on is their makeup and costume department is they should be winning Emmys for their stuff because they are so good with their wardrobe. When it comes to Halloween and it comes to the makeup, I mean, some of those... The makeup jobs they had on the contestants last night, and even the pro dancers, were so good. And we see it every year. I mean, they absolutely go all out for the Halloween shows. And the fact that this show last night happened to fall on Halloween night obviously added to it. But such a good job on the costumes and the makeup for this show. What, what an outstanding costume and makeup department they have. One thing about the Halloween show... And we're going to see this moving forward because they're going to have, you know, two dances a night probably through the rest of the season, I would think, because they only got about seven or eight people left, and yet it's still a two-hour show, so they're going to have to incorporate a second dance. The group dance has always been weird to me, where everyone's on the floor at the same time and the judges are standing there, and they're just eliminating people based on we don't even know what. You know, I mean, the, the thing is, it's it's pretty impossible for us as a viewer to watch nine couples dancing at the same time and try to figure out who's doing well and who isn't. You focus on a few, you look around, but 
the judges are sitting there and they're just eliminating people and you notice how it basically is going from the bottom to the top the people who are at the bottom of the scorecard are usually the ones that are the first ones gone in the group dance and the people who are at the top of the scorecard are the ones that last till the end except last night there was one exception and that was charity i think they went i think they were like the fourth team eliminated and there were still four or five people left on the dance floor once they were eliminated so that was weird but again, I wasn't focusing all my attention on Charity and Artem, so I have no idea what they did to be eliminated that early in the contest. Um, but honestly, not that it matters because Charity is still one of the best dancers and is going to make the finals this year. So instead of getting a total of five extra points to her score, she got three. Big deal. <laughs> didn't the, I, Maybe that was the reason they did it because it really didn't matter. But... Just the judges on the group dance, like they'll they'll bring out a name of you know Artem and Charity, and then literally ten seconds later they're eliminating a new couple. It's like really, what could have changed in ten seconds to make you eliminate another couple? Like how, especially when you have to look at five other couples? Because let's say you eliminate Charity and Artem. Okay, well there's five couples left, or maybe there was four. I don't remember the exact number, but let's just say there's five. And 10 seconds later, within 10 seconds, you're eliminating one of those five based on what? And we don't get to really hear them. We don't get to hear the judges after the fact. They went basically right into the elimination. So I just think it's kind of hokey when they do those group dances uh, because it's really, one, it doesn't have any bearing on who's going to last longer in the show. It really doesn't. And two, it, it, it's, I, I just don't think it's a whole I don't really think really, it's really indicative of anything. And the fact that we don't get to hear the judges critique it or say why somebody was eliminated when they were just seems like a time filler, really. Speaking of Dancing with the Stars, former dancer, pro dancer on the show, former podcast guest from a few weeks ago, Cheryl Burke. As you know, when we had her on, she was promoting her new podcast, Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans. And... She had on Lacey Schwimmer, who was a pro on the show from like seasons like 7 to 13, something like that. Lacey came from um, So You Think You Can Dance, and she got on the show at 19 years old. And I don't even remember this, but she certainly does, and Cheryl brought it up. And yes, it was 15 years ago, but I don't know if you remember this, but when Lacey came on the show... Maxim and Louis Van Amstel basically critiqued her body and not in a good way. In October 2008, uh, Maxim said to TV Guide, when I first saw these women this season, I said, guys, you know the camera adds 10 pounds. You have to do something about this. Okay. Then Louis Van Amstel told TV Guide, People look at this show to be inspired and think, if I just work hard enough, I can look like that. If they watch someone who's dancing her butt off and she's still heavy, they can be discouraged. You have to take that responsibility. Yikes. I don't remember that. Lacey Schwimmer responded at the time that she was confident and happy with her body, but behind the scenes, she was basically struggling and crying every night. She said it definitely messed up everything. Of course, ever since the, that first quote from Max and Louie, they let everyone else have an opinion of what I looked like. 
Um, that wasn't the only occasion who that swimmer who appeared on and off from season seven to thirteen received criticism for her weight on Dance with the Stars. Producers approached her after a fitting and said she needed to wear fishnets for a smoother look on camera. She thought maybe she thought more people were going through this, and that's just what the show did. But and she even said, looking back, that body I had was phenomenal. She was nineteen when she first appeared, and the show contributed to the negative perception she had of her body. And then she said on the podcast with Cheryl, she said, in a weird way, I do feel, and this is my personal opinion, that Dancing with the Stars breeds body image issues for women. We are forced to be put in bras and panties with a couple of pieces of fringe on the butt, and just you're standing next to these girls who are naturally skinny, and you have to take extreme measures. She would eat like 500 calories a day, be dancing all day, and just drink a Red Bull. And again, and then she offered a very hot, another hot take. She said, I do find, hear me out again, this is my personal opinion, the thinner you are, the more attention you end up getting on that show. That's what Lacey said to Cheryl. And I don't know if you can really dispute that. I really don't. And the crazy thing is she says she isn't mad at Louie and Val for saying that. I mean, maybe she's gotten over it. She certainly had to have been bothered by it at the time. I don't see how you could. I don't. I don't see how you couldn't be at the time when they say that about you. I mean, that is that's awful that they said that about her. Um, she went from a size six to a size two, uh, and weighed 115 pounds. And when she got down to a size two and 115, she said they started putting her in photo shoots and special dances associated with Dance with the Stars. So. And she said, you know, it's just this weird feeling. You start getting uh, attention and love from the audience, and it's this weird backwards way of feeling successful for literally harming yourself. So I, I think it's really cool of Cheryl to bring this to the forefront and have on former dancers. I mean, she's already had Val on her podcast. So, I, you know, it's Lacey's calling out Val for something he said 15 years ago. Not that she's saying, I, I hate Val and I wish he would have. I mean, I keep saying Val. Maxim. I, I hate Maxim. I, I wish, you know, he would never, he's never apologized to me. She's not saying any of that. She's just saying, look, this is what they said. And there are quotes uh, from that. And that and those were quotes that Maxim and Louis gave to TV Guide at the time. So very, very disheartening to hear. I don't even remember those. I mean, it was, like I said, it was 2008. But, man, I can't believe they said that. And really hard to hear that how much it affected Lacey behind the scenes, yet you got to go out there and you got to put on a happy face and you got to dance around and you know that a couple of your pro dancers are critiquing your body and you have to dance in front of America. And that was when the show was getting, you know, 15 to 20 million viewers a week. Now it's less than five, I think. So... I can only imagine what she went through. So props to Cheryl for having Lacey on and, and you know, just very powerful statements by Lacey. And just know that because these pro dancers may have great bodies, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean, I you know, maybe they shouldn't be looked at in the way that some of the fans are looking at it. Does it promote a poor body? Is, does it promote... Uh, an unrealistic expectation of women's body issues. The dancers on that show. It's like, look, they've danced their whole life. They've worked their ass off to get to that point. To hear Lacey get cut down by Maxim and Louie 
at the time and to bring it up now 15 years later it's just like I'm it's almost like I'm glad she did because first off if somebody said it in 2023 they'd be canceled and they would be kicked off the show like if a pro said that now they would be immediately kicked off the show so um again you hate saying it but in 2008 I mean this is the this is the way the media treated women. We were the, the media was allowed to get away with stuff and talk about women's bodies constantly. This is what we've talked about in regards to you know Britney and the interviews that she was forced to go through to talk about you know is she having sex and look at her body up on stage is she setting an example for girls and stuff like that. And it's just like this is the way it was unfortunately. But um Major respect for Lacey uh, for bringing that to the forefront and talking about that 15 years later. Big Brother last night, nothing really earth-shattering in that the power of veto, shocker, won by Jag, who is just building a and building his resume. It's just going to be a matter of, does he take a shot at Matt? Or if Bowie Jane wins, does she take a shot at either of them? Because I think the only two people that can win this game are Matt and are, are Matt or Jag. Unless neither of them are sitting there in the final two chairs. But down to four people after uh, tomorrow night, either Felicia or Sari is going home. So now we've got either Felicia, Sari, uh, Bowie Jane, and Matt and Jag. I just Unless neither Matt or Jag is part of the final two, one of those guys is winning. I don't see any way Bowie Jane does, and I don't see any way Sari or uh, Felicia do if whoever makes it between them tomorrow night. Now, just what's going to happen tomorrow night? Jag wants Sari gone. Matt wants Felicia gone. And Bowie Jane wants Sari gone. So Jag and Bowie Jane, and uh, they're the two that are voting. And it seems like, and maybe I'm sure it's already happened on the live feeds. The people that watch the live feeds already know. Jag and is going to convince Matt that they need to get rid of Suri. And it's just a matter of, can he convince him? I'm sure that conversation has already taken place. I'm sure either Jag has convinced Matt Suri's the way to go, or he didn't convince him. And Jag's going to stick by his boy and just say, okay, you know what? I get it. Um, I, I, I won't do it. I won't pull the trigger on Suri. So we'll find that out tomorrow night, but nothing crazy happened last night. Wasn't surprising. Matt didn't even want to win Power Veto, so this was really only between four people, Jag, Bowie Jane, Suri, and Felicia, and Jag was basically ahead the whole time. It was the only way he doesn't win that is if once he got a lot of those magnets up or those transistors up or whatever in the stacking them 25 high, if it would have fallen at 20, 21, 22, 23, or 24. If it would have fallen, then yeah, he probably would have lost, but he seemed to know what he was doing. He's been a huge competitor all season long. I mean, he's when I had Taryn Armstrong uh on the show and I said if Matt and Jag are sitting at the final two, he's like, Oh, Matt's winning. Personally, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think this is Jag's game to lose. I think he beats everybody sitting next to him at the final two. Just my opinion. And finally, we know that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are getting a lot of attention, of course. And the interesting thing is 
they're trying to find a story like every single day. There, there has to be something on a entertainment site. Normally, you know, either Us Weekly or People or EW. Mostly Us Weekly and People. They have to write some sort of story. Did you see the one that happened on Monday? So Travis Kelsey and the Broncos lose, or Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs lose to the Broncos on Sunday. Broncos aren't a very good team, but. They beat the they beat the Chiefs and the Chiefs fall to six and two on the season. And the story on Us Weekly, I couldn't believe I saw this. The headline was Taylor Swift heads to Kansas City a day early to console Travis Kelsey ahead of Halloween plans. And it says, Taylor feels awful for Travis and knows he doesn't take losing lightly. Taylor felt the least she could do is head to him in Kansas City a day earlier than planned so she could be by his side to comfort and encourage him in any way she could. Okay. First off, how do you even know that's the reason she went? Maybe she was already planning to go there a day early. Clearly, they probably spent Halloween together last night. I haven't seen any pictures come out yet, but maybe I just wasn't looking. I was watching the baseball game last night and then watched... Big Brother and Dance with the Stars afterwards. But, I mean, look, supportive girlfriend, that's great. But I think Travis has been in the league long enough and suffered enough losses where he doesn't need his girlfriend to console him over a loss. He'll be fine, you know. I That's what I'm saying. Like, I, this story is just such a non-story. I don't even think... I don't even think Taylor did that. I don't think she went there to console him early. I'm sure she just went there because they were planning to spend Halloween together. But to throw this in, like sources tell us, the least she could have done was head there a day early than planned so she could be by his side and comfort and encourage him. Like I'm trying to visualize this of them just hanging out in the living room on the couch and she's got her arm around him like, Travis, it'll be okay. You'll get him next week. Go get him. Like, come on. <laughs> Travis Kelsey is literally one of the top three tight ends to ever play in the NFL. He is the current best tight end in the NFL. He's lost numerous times. Way He's won way more than he's lost in the NFL. But he doesn't need consoling from his girlfriend after a game, especially after game eight of the regular season. If this was the Super Bowl... Okay, he'd have been bummed. Would have been probably nice to spend some time with her afterwards. Probably needs a, you know a few days to go over everything in his head. What what I could have done better. What the team could have done better. This is game eight of the regular season. He doesn't need consoling. He's fine. <laughs> I don't know where they come up with some of these stories. Look, I love all Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey content. But this one, a little bit too far. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if you can. The Sports Daily will be up in an hour from now, so check that out. And we'll be back tomorrow with yet another Daily Roundup and Sports Daily and your weekly podcast this week with She's All Batch hosts Stephanie Parker and Jackie Maroney. So look for that tomorrow. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. See you!